Welcome to New Mommy at 40, a honest, informative, and non-judgmental podcast for those navigating to and through parenthood in their 40s. This week, I'll be talking to you about the top 10 things to consider when choosing a fertility clinic. I'm going to be giving you my personal experience in my last IVF cycles, and I hope that it helps you and someone else that you know on avoiding the pitfalls that I did. But before we get into it, please subscribe, follow wherever you're listening to this so you don't miss a single episode. All right, let's get into it. It didn't happen in my 20s, who cares? Now I've got all this fancy wisdom to share. Hey, I've got this baby, you're getting the best of me. Hello, friend. Welcome to New Mommy at 40 podcast. I am your host, Victoria Latour Dunker, and I'm so happy to have you here today. We have a great, great topic on the top 10 things to consider when choosing a fertility clinic. But before we get into that, this is where I need your help. I would love for you to follow, subscribe wherever you're listening to this right now. Uh, so that you never miss an episode and that you can give your honest feedback, opinions, concerns of what we talk about. This community is for you and for me. So I can't do it without your input. So please take the time, follow, subscribe, all all the stuff so that you make sure that you're connected with me because uh, we have some really exciting things that are happening this season and season two. So thanks for joining us. Uh, one of the reasons I brought this topic, or I'm bringing this topic up this week is because uh, for those of you who don't know me as well, uh, just a, and a refresher for those who have been here before, my husband and I have an amazing three, three-year-old daughter who we conceived naturally at the time that we were both 40. And it uh, was after we had a chemical pregnancy, a chemical miscarriage. Um, chemical pregnancy is the right term. And really early on. So as sad and a little devastating as that that was, it actually was hope because I have PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. I've had fibroids. I've had two uh, myomectomies uh, due to fibroids. So this was, you know, having that, that failed pregnancy was hurtful, but it was a little glimmer of light, like, Hey, wait a minute. It happened. I hadn't even tried yet at, you know, up up until that point. So it was really, uh, a a sign of hope. It was inspiring. So we were eager to try again and we did, and we had our little miracle since that time she was born in 2020. We have had a difficult time staying pregnant. Uh, it went from just difficult to get pregnant because we tried for an entire year and nothing happened until she was about 14 months. We were pregnant again, but that unfortunately ended in a miscarriage. And that was a twin pregnancy. And they actually, um, they basically passed within like a week and a half of each other. So I count that as two separate ones because we lost one and then we lost another. And since that time, we tried and nothing was happening. So we did seek treatment at a fertility clinic. At that point, I was probably four or five months into doing this podcast. And so I thought I had some really great information and some, 
you know, guests that were talking about it. I was asking questions. And still, I found myself after those experiences um, with the fertility clinic going, did I ask that question? Why didn't I ask that question? And how did I not know that? And how did I fall into this trap? So I am doing this today in hopes that I prevent you, friend, from uh, making the mistakes that I did and so that you have a little bit more enlightenment going into the process and feeling empowered to ask the questions uh, that I think can make a really huge difference in the experience that you have with any fertility clinic. So let's get into it. So number one, I would say is, I would ask are, what are your success rates for those in my age range? And I'll even add here ethnicity. Because whether you are Jewish, whether you are Black, whether you're Hispanic, there are all these um, medical conditions that can be found more or more frequently in one or the other. And you just want to have a basis of, you know, what have they dealt with in this fertility clinic that maybe those things may have affect your reproductive health. So ethnicity, ethnicity, I think, is good. But really, I think for everyone, finding out what the success rates are for that fertility clinic for those in your age range is very important to find out. So please take the time and ask that question. Um, Especially, you know, I think a lot of data is for younger, the younger crowd under 35. So it, it would stick out to me if a particular clinic had like a 10, 15% rate, uh, success rate for those from 40 to 44. Why is 10% impressive? <laughs> you would think that the number is higher that I would want to see. However, I know statistically it's harder for us in that age range. So I don't want you to get stuck on that number that I've provided, but know that the number is not going to be as high as those in the younger age range. So just start with that in your mind. However, just asking and seeing somewhat of a successful rate is inspiring that they have, um, that they're familiar or they have some great rates for those of you, for those of us in that age range. So that's important. Number two, who will be my doctor in this treatment center? And what is the preferred method of contact for that doctor? So sometimes just kind of like OB and GYN practices, you can be assigned one doctor, but then anyone can come to deliver your baby in that practice. If it's a big practice, the number even goes up and it gets really, really confusing and frustrating, frankly, on the day of. So the same thing can go for a fertility clinic. You want to know who the main doctor would be and who's their backup person. They go on vacation at the worst time, <laughs> best time for them, worst time for you. It's going to be like egg retrieval. Who's going to be doing it? What's the, what? Let me know what the lineup is here in this clinic. And also preferred method of contact. Why? Because I found in my experience, there were... That you know, there was a lot of encouragement to call the main number and someone would call you back. But it was really difficult for me to just talk to her. I loved my doctor at the fertility clinic. We we went to the same one twice. Um, she was fantastic. 
probably the best bedside manner I've had from a doctor. However, the staff, and I'm specifically talking about the financial counselor, which we'll get into in a little bit, uh, left a little bit to be desired. And that's the best thing I can say about (laughs) my experience with her. And the fertility nurses um, were also very nice, very, very nice. However, there was a, a moment the combination of the fertility nurses not checking their email and the financial con- consultant not checking their email that maybe miss a cycle. And that is crucial. When you are in 40 plus going through fertility treatments, you do not miss a cycle if that's the time frame that you are looking to expand on your family or build your family. Every cycle counts and the fact that I missed one because of just them not checking on their, the communication really was frustrating. And I realized that uh, by not me insisting or asking that question, I didn't really get the best way to contact my doctor. So once I did that for the second cycle, she actually gave me her own personal email which she was much more responsive to. And I knew that I was kind of bypassing all the, the checks, you know, the, the, the gates, the gatekeepers to get specifically to the person that I want to contact. So uh, that way you can hold them to that too, if they don't respond. So make sure you ask that question. Number three, who will be the main contacts the fertility nurses, in addition to my assigned doctor, and how do I contact them? I think that's self-explanatory. I will highlight that your relationship with the fertility nurses is, uh, is important because you often see them more than you do the actual doctor. The, uh, the doctor is going to evaluate you. They're going to have that first consultation. They're going to be the ones to prescribe your protocol. Protocol is basically your, your array of medication that you're going to be taking that is specifically um, designed for you. And they'll be the ones to kind of look at, you know, your results of your, of your uh, blood work and kind of tweak it if need be. And then when it's time for retrieval time, they're not even the ones that do the retrieval, but they're the, the overseer of your whole experience, but you don't really interact with them a whole lot uh, in certain clinics. So you're, but you will interact frequently with your nurse. So make sure that you also build a good rapport with them and know how best to contact them. Number four, what testing will be required in order to determine the right protocol for me? This is important. This is where you also need to be prepared to offer all the medical paperwork, all of your, your, um, your, your background, your medical background, to the provider. So if you have records, your medical records from your OBGYN, maybe you've had a few, I'd say it's safe to maybe gather the last five years of your medical records for them to see so that they can kind of put together, look at everything and say, okay, this might be the right protocol for you because X, Y, Z didn't work here and you've had this before. So they have a better idea. Um, Why I think that's important, what happened to me is, being that I have PCOS, I found out from my my great doctor that it actually delayed my 
egg count from going down amongst other things. It kind of is like a delay in my reproductive maturity. And I have more eggs than someone of my age. I have the egg count of a 39-year-old, for example. That doesn't mean that the quality is of a 39-year-old. I still have 44-year, you know, quality. The quality of the eggs are still of a 44-year-old, but the number is different. So the whole thing about when you go through IVF, especially, is that they're looking to see, uh, you know, on an average cycle, what you yield in terms of eggs and that gives them an idea of how many possible, you know, embryos that you could have once fertilized with the sperm. So in my case, because I produced about 14 or 15 a cycle, that is a pretty good number. However, I was overstimulated in my first round of IVF medic, uh, um, medically or from by the medicines and produced like 29 eggs. And that is the most uncomfortable feeling. I know it sounds good, like, wow, 29 opportunities. However, they were all growing in kind of different speeds. And there's like a nice pocket that you want them to to be in, in order to fertilize. Some of them were going so fast that they couldn't be fertilized. At the end of the day, I almost, I, I still only had half of those. Uh, that were even able to be fertilized, but it was really, really uncomfortable. I had so much bloat, bloating, and um, it was, it was, it was pretty bad. So I think in the process, they kind of forgot that I had PCOS and only treated me as from the perspective of someone of my age. So it's really important that you stay on top of that and make sure that the protocol is, is. Uh, designed and, and crafted specifically with all of your medical history um, considered. Number five, what days of the week do you offer monitoring and during what time? So there is daily monitoring monitoring that will happen through the course of your treatment, your cycle, where you come into the office, they do blood work, they also do an ultrasound and just kind of get an idea of how things are responding, how your body's responding to the protocol. It's a good idea to find out uh, what days of the week that they do that because what's interesting about IVF is everything else still stays the same in your life. You still have to go to work, you still have to take care of your kid, you still have to make dinner, you still, everything is the same except that your hormones are like up and down and raging and you may not feel like doing some of those things some of those days. Um, But it's good to know how to arrange your schedule so that the investment that you're making in growing your family or starting a family is still priority and that you can fit it in still in your regular regular life. So make sure that you find out what times they offer um, monitoring and what days. Most offer really, really early, like 6.30 in the morning, some earlier. So it's really great if you find a fertility clinic that offers early times. If you work, you can just kind of do that quickly and it takes maybe like 15, 20 minutes, the whole visit. So you can go in as early as possible and still make uh, make it to whatever else that you have uh, arranged for your day. So that's something to keep in mind. Distance is also important. Make sure that you find something that's close to you because you don't want to, uh, 
you know, more than 30 minutes, it's, it's tough to still go, go to your regular schedule. Uh, if you have to travel 30 minutes or more to a clinic and then back. So keep that in mind. Number six, can you schedule an appointment directly with the financial counselor of your clinic? This folks is extremely important. This is what will give you the most stress in the entire situation. I'm I, for me, it was more stressful than the needles because financially you've got to have a moment to look through your insurance uh, coverage and find out what they cover, what they don't cover. What are your out-of-pocket expenses? This all can go really smoothly if you have a moment to speak with the financial counselor at your clinic and that they are good at what they do and that they respond. This is a really, really intricate part, integral part, I should say, of your treatment. Definitely. Why it's good to have a private appointment with that person is that typically if you have a really good counselor, they would have already run your insurance. They already know what's covered and what's not. So by the time that you speak to them, they're telling you, okay, this is what's covered. This isn't what's covered. This is what's going to be out of pocket. That's the sign of a really good, good counselor. If you get someone who's like, well, yeah, I know that you, I went through your insurance. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And here, and it's, you, you can tell right then and there just, okay, maybe this isn't for me. It's, it might be too much work, or at least, you know, that you're going to have to do a lot of work to make sure that all the, you know, the, the I's and the T's are, you know, dotted and crossed. So keep that in mind. Why, another reason why it's important is Sometimes, and this leads me into um, number seven, is sometimes insurance coverages do not cover more than a certain amount of rounds in the lifespan of your policy. So for example, one of my policies only allowed three IVF, three IVF cycles in the lifetime of your policy. Some uh, offer, it's basically like uh, when you hit a certain threshold of cash or of money, then you can't do it again. Really important. So your financial counselor can actually handle or, or answer some of these questions for you. You can do this research also on your own. It's not necessarily, oh, I can't speak. It's not necessarily their responsibility to do all of that research for you. I'm, it's just a really good sign if they have that they're on point. You have to do some of this, but once you do, it's good to be able to get a hold of your financial counselor to just tell them what you've discovered so that you're both on the same page so that you don't get any surprise bills. If you talk to anyone that's gone through IVF, there's always some surprise expense that you're like, wait, 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 I thought that was already taken care of. And how has that not been taken care of yet? So that's really, really important. So find out uh, number, where are we? Number seven is how many rounds of treatment does my insurance cover? Find that out. I actually, I, I have a friend who went through eight rounds of IVF and she had to switch insurance coverages quite a few times because she still didn't meet her goal, right? And she wanted to 
get her baby, which she did. Uh, eight rounds later, amazing. Uh, what her body and her <laughs> her pocket went through. But what she did was she would reach the the max of that particular insurance policy, and then her and her husband would wait, and they would switch and you know the coverage, and she would try again. So that's something to think of uh, as well. That is a possibility if you should need that many uh, rounds and you you still want to try to reach your goal. Um, number eight, does my insurance have an age limit for fertility treatment coverage? So some of the, uh, companies only cover you up to age 44. And once you turn 45, they do not cover you to use your own eggs in an IVF cycle. I know it's crazy. Talk about the patriarchy in our medical uh, care system, our healthcare system, but it's the it's the the truth. So there are some who do not cover you starting at forty five. They will uh, cover egg donation. They will cover surrogacy. Just anything but your own egg. So it's really important find that out, uh, and it also helps you get an idea of you know to to plan to plan accordingly. Like for me. I'm 44, like I shared earlier, I'm going to be 45 in June. Uh, For me, I had to make sure that my insurance coverage wasn't going to change when I turned 45. And because if it did, I'm looking at, you know, a short span of time to, to, to try again. So that's something to consider. Number nine, does your fertility clinic, does this clinic have a preferred pharmacy or can you use one of your own? Huge. Research the cost. This is all down to money. When I went to my fertility clinic, they did have a preferred um, pharmacy, but my insurance actually was pushing their pharmacy. In doing so, after I uh, spoke to them, I found out I found huge differences in costs of the same medication. Literally, one with the insurance company's uh, preferred pharmacy, the medication was over a thousand dollars, and then with the fertility clinic's pharmacy, it was a hundred, hundred and eighteen. Huge difference, right? How you can help yourself in this situation is get your provider. To, pro- to give you the full list of the protocol, all the medications that they're prescribing to you so that you can go ahead and compare costs with each pharmacy. That will save you so much money. So you just remember you are allowed to shop around, especially if you get that, you get that list early enough and do it as soon as possible because again, time is of the essence. You're trying to get those medications there in time for you to start on time for your cycle. So that's all on you, but make sure that you compare. And the other thing I wanted to say about pharmacies is you want to make sure that the, the pharmacy that you can choose can deliver your medication in 24 hours next day max. Why? Because sometimes your protocol can be tweaked in the middle of your cycle. And let's say they they need you to take a little bit more of this. You want to make sure that it can get to you very quickly. The other thing that can happen that happened to me a couple of times was I completely botched <laughs> the amount that I was supposed to put, or to put in one of the syringes. So 
or I think the first night we got nervous and kind of administered it incorrectly. I, luckily I didn't take the shot, but we, it was, we, we messed up. And at the end, you know, the, the first week I thought, man, I don't know if I have enough of X, Y, Z. Let me ask my doctor and my fertility nurses, if this is going to be an issue that I botched, you know, two vials turned out to be, yeah, actually we may need to have you take this longer. So if you can go ahead and order that uh, as soon as possible, that would be great. We want you to have that on hand. So boom, make sure that your delivery, that your pharmacy can deliver that, those medications to you as quickly as possible if you should need that. And number 10, this brings us to number 10. Do you have support for your patients within your office, i.e. acupuncture, support groups, yoga, any of those things. If this is important to you, as it was to me, ironically, it is important to me, but I didn't ask that question and they didn't have it. Anyway, I ended up doing a lot of that on my own, but why I think it's good to mention it is they may have those services in-house, which is fantastic. If not, many can recommend to you um, different places that are nearby that they do have relationships with or you know, that they can, they can suggest to you. But I also think it's very telling if you ask that question and your doctor kind of looks at you like acupuncture, why or yoga, who cares? Or I don't care. Gives you a, like an idea of their philosophy on fertility anyway, and health and wellness. So if those things are important to you, uh, that your doctor is also of the same you know, mindset as you when it comes to those things and they don't display that when you ask that question, that also might be a sign for you to say, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'll call you back. I'll call you back and look for someone else <laughs> because, uh, it, it, you know, if you, if you need that, you should be able to, to have access to that. So that gives you a good, um, idea what they think about that too. And hopefully they have it in-house, but they should be able to suggest. So those are my top 10 things that you can ask uh, when you're choosing a fertility clinic to make sure it's the best fit for you. Because this is a huge decision. It's a huge investment that you're making into yourself and to your family. So you want to make sure that you feel really comfortable. You feel empowered to ask questions. There should be no such thing as a dumb question you should feel supported throughout the whole process and know that people don't just treat you like a number. And this is a huge, huge uh, undertaking. So you should have all the support that you deserve uh, around you. The things that, like I said, that you can do, there are things that you can do to make it a really great experience. Um, ask your financial advisor also for receipts for every transaction that you make out of pocket. If your FSA or HSA um, card or coverage can can reimburse you for that, fantastic. That's even better. More money back into your pocket. So um, ask up front. Make sure that you do your due diligence in making sure that you get your receipts for those transactions. Um, I talked about the distance from your house from the clinic. That's really important. Like I said, um, line of communication with everyone. Um, establish it early. I, you know, I, maybe, uh, 
hi, I, I just wanted to let you know I had treatment on this day. Is there anything that I owe um, that you can see on your end uh, so far? Maybe just kind of that gives you an idea, of like a, an opportunity to engage and start the commu- line of communication with the financial counselor. So that's that's something to do. Um, like I said, make sure you have your files. And I, I think that's it. I think I covered everything within. I wrote down these notes to make sure I didn't leave anything out for you. And I think I'm repeating myself. So sorry about that. But I just want to make sure that you feel empowered and um, take notice of the time, the length of time that uh, it takes to your for your calls and your emails to be um, respond uh, for them to respond to you. Just take a mental note of that. And always make sure that they're listening to your concerns and uh, throughout your cycle. Um, make sure that you feel comfortable. If you feel really awful after taking one of the medications, you're not feeling well, it's good to call and usually have a nurse line and just say, I'm not feeling good. Don't feel bad about making that call and thinking everyone must go through this. Sometimes, no. I mean, my first cycle, no, my second cycle, I didn't really have any complications. We learned a lot from the first one not to overstimulate uh, my eggs in my cycle. So it was much more bearable than the first time. But the, the first time, I definitely had some pain and bloating. And that's how we figured, hey, I think we we maybe ha- over-medicated you a little bit here. So, and also... When I uh, reached out to the doctor and told her of my, about my experience with the staff not responding to me, she was horrified. And she's the only reason why I tried again with her and that facility, because she was really, really upset that I had that experience. And she convinced me to give her another shot. That wouldn't have happened if I hadn't uh, opened the line of communication with her and felt comfortable enough to tell her because I wanted her to do better. I wanted her her fertility clinic to be better. And I thought by telling her, she would take that feedback and and make it, you know, and put it to good use, which she did. It was a little better, but uh, still not the best experience. So I hope that you take this. I hope this helps you. Please leave a comment um, on Facebook, on Instagram. Tell me if this was helpful or not. Uh, anything that you'd want to share with our community that you uh, want to add, you know, in addition to this list that they should keep in mind when looking for a fertility clinic. I really would love to hear from you. So please, again, follow, subscribe where you're listening to this. Email me at info at at 40com You can DM me on Instagram and Facebook. And I look forward to, to hearing from you. So please tune in next week. I have an amazing guest for you. I can't wait to, to share uh, what they've got to, to, to share with us. And I can't wait to see you next week. So please take care of yourself and each other.